I want to thank all of you who are taking time out of your day, who are watching online um, to this message, or maybe later on uh, when this recording goes out, when this video uh, goes out, I want to take, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to watch uh, our message uh, for today. Again, we are Fresh Vision Church here in El Paso, Texas. We are a Calvary Chapel Church. Um, I just want to make uh, just a few announcements here this morning. We have in the back, we have pink um, common cards that uh, it's not just for uh, new people, but also for those of you who maybe just um, are hesitant about asking somebody for prayer, which I hope that over time you, you won't be if something's on your heart, something's in your mind, you'll be able to, to share with us personally. But um, please feel free, feel free to fill that out if you're not yet comfortable with that. In the back, there's a section where you can you know, fill out a prayer request, put it in the box, and we will get it, and we, we, we will be praying for you or for that particular request. Also, if you wanted to send us your praise reports, you can do that as well in the back of the in the back of that card. Uh, you can also do that online by sending us a message on the comment section, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube, or you know, you can send us also a message on Instagram, Twitter. You can definitely send us a message there and let us know if there's anything we can do for you. Our website is currently down. There's some changes that are coming soon, and and uh, and we will be revamping that that website. Um, also, um, if the Lord has put it in your heart to to give to this church. Um, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna push it. We're not going to to tell you you need to. You know, here at the church, we don't pass around a basket or a bag or anything like that. And we want you to give joyfully, out of love and without compulsion or obligation. There's a box in the back for those of you that are here. Also, on all our social media and on on YouTube and Facebook, there is a link to our PayPal page, um, and uh, you could do it uh, that way. Uh, you can also send us, you know, we also have a mailing address where you can send us a check or whatnot. Your, all your uh, tithes, offerings, gifts uh, are used to keep our doors open, to have the lights stay on. And uh, they definitely go a long way in blessing us and blessing those that are here. And, uh, and it's going to bless you as well. I totally believe that. Um, we are, we do have a men's and women's study here uh, during the week starting Wednesday this upcoming Wednesday at 6 30 p.m. the men are going to start having their meeting here um, again uh, reach out to the church to get more information on that we'll give you the leader's number um, that is leading that and so that way you can contact and get more information also on Saturday mornings the women are having a study here um, at 11 a.m. Um, here at the church uh, and uh, where you guys can spend some time going over uh, I believe uh, Robin is going over for Samuel I believe still um, and if you have any questions about that again contact the church and we'll give you more information Saturday, so Saturdays at 11 a.m. last week we completed the book of first Samuel before we begin the second book of Samuel we have a, a couple of messages that a special message that we have the pastors, the leaders here have prepared, and um, and uh, I just wanted to share that with you. So, um, uh, with that, I want to invite Pastor Isaac to come up and and share again the message. While while he's coming up and getting set up here, I think we'll be in a. He's going to be in Psalm 51. So please feel free to turn there. 
All right, so this morning we will be in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and uh, the title of the message is A Broken and a Humbled Heart. A Broken and a Humbled Heart. And before we get into the message together here at Fresh Vision Church, uh, let me open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll look at the, the word together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for this time of worship and just the opportunity to come here together as a church family to hear from you this morning. And we pray that you would soften our hearts, soften our minds, Lord, to hear from you. We pray that your word would minister to us as you see fit, Lord. We pray that your word would become flesh in our lives, that we would leave different from how we came in here this morning. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Psalm 51. Now, if you guys haven't noticed, it's beginning to get very hot outside. You know, we're in June, which is typically our hottest month here in far west Texas. And, uh, you know, before the onset of our monsoon season, which is our, our wettest time of the year. So I think a lot of us have been spending a lot of time outdoors. You know, they opened up that new water park just down the street from here. And um, actually... A few days ago, I was moving some terracotta pots. I was moving them for my parents. And um, I mean, if you know Isaac, and you, and you saw that right now, I'm, I'm kind of clumsy. I'm a little bit goofy. So what I did is I actually dropped one of those terracotta pots. And I kid you not, like it broke into like a trillion pieces. Like I couldn't even sweep some of those pieces up. And um, in my mind, I thought, well, this is broken. This is useless. I'm going to go ahead and, and throw it out. But what's interesting to me is we get into the word of God this morning. God's ways are never like our ways because God uses broken things, specifically people, for his glory and to minister to one another. And, um, you know, this morning as I teach here through Psalm 51, you know, I came across this during my devotional time. And, uh, you know, God's timing is always perfect in terms of his word and just everything. And uh, God's word will always minister to us in ways that sometimes might be uncomfortable, in ways that are sometimes convenient. But it's good for us because the Lord loves us. And we'll talk more about that as we get into the study here this morning. But today the question is, why does God use broken and humbled hearts? Why does God use broken and humbled hearts? And as believers, all of us in this room, we're literally like these terracotta pots. And, um, you know, our spiritual walk with the Lord, it began with brokenness because of the conviction of sin in our lives. And brokenness for the believer, all of us, it's not like this once-in-a-lifetime event because growth cannot occur unless there's more and more brokenness. Now, for us, brokenness is literally breaking away from our own will and surrendering to the will of the Father. And there are many ways that we can be broken. We can be broken by our own failures, our own sins. We can be broken by events that the Lord has allowed into our lives to break us and to humble us for the purposes of being used for his purpose and also to minister uh, to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. So brokenness and humility is very appealing to our Heavenly Father. And today, we're going to learn how brokenness and a humble heart impacted the life of King David. And just a little bit of a background here of Psalm 51. Here in Psalm 51, we have David's confession, 
his prayer of confession after Nathan the prophet had confronted him about sin in his life. And if you look at 2 Samuel, beginning in chapter 11 into chapter 12, it'll give you those specific details about that. Now, if you read that, remember that David was supposed to be in battle with his servants, right? He was, you know, sent to destroy the people of Ammon and to besiege Rabbah, as the word of God says here. But he remained behind in Jerusalem. And because of this, David actually ended up committing adultery with a woman there named Bathsheba, um, a woman whom he saw bathing from the top of the roof of the king's house. And the lust of his flesh allowed him to give in to this temptation and ultimately um, defile this woman. And we know and we see here with David that the flesh is always lusting against or going against the spirit. And the spirit is always going against the flesh. The two are contrary to one another. Now, if you read there in 2 Samuel um, chapter 11, and as you read into chapter 12, you know, Bathsheba actually became pregnant with a child that was David's because of this sinful act. And what we see there is that David begins to cover up his sin. He attempts to cover up his sin. And all of us have been there before, where we try to cover up our sins. And it turns into this vicious cycle of a lie after a lie after a lie to cover everything before that. And you see, David's plan began by bringing Bathsheba's husband Uriah back from the battlefield. Um, the purpose of that was to have him spend time with his wife so he would believe that the child was actually his. But what ends up happening here is Uriah, this was a man of integrity. And Uriah, you know, in his mind, all of his fellow soldiers were still on the battlefield. So instead of spending time with his wife, he actually stayed at the door of the king's house with all of his servants. And um, unfortunately, the plan didn't work. So what David does is he waits a few more days and he actually gets Uriah intoxicated. He gets him drunk and tells him to go spend time with his wife. And Uriah, he doesn't do that. So the plan did not work. And then unfortunately, and ultimately, David then orders his servant Joab to put Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and to retreat from him for the purposes of him being struck down and killed. And then that actually happens. And when that news comes back, Bathsheba is just devastated that her husband died. And it's interesting, David's response to all this, he basically tells his servant, you know, these things happen. And he takes Bathsheba as his wife. And of course, the Lord is displeased uh, with these behaviors that we see here with David. And if you continue reading there to chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, the Lord then sends a prophet. He sends Nathan to him. And Nathan comes to him with this parable about a rich man who had many flocks and a poor man who only had one female lamb. And this rich man, actually out of his greed, he takes that one single female lamb from that poor man to give to a traveler who had come his way. And it's interesting because David actually becomes infuriated. He becomes extremely angry. And he tells Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And then Nathan tells David, you are this man. 
David had done this to Uriah and to Bathsheba. And Nathan continues to prophesy, and he tells David about all these consequences that are a result of his sin. And then ultimately, as we'll see later, um, the child does end up dying. And David realized that he had sinned against the Lord. Uh, but what I love about David's reaction to this confrontation is he doesn't get defensive. If you read there in 2 Samuel chapter 12, he doesn't blame others, but he actually becomes remorseful and takes responsibility for his sin. And this is what sets up the context here um, for Psalm 51. So let me read the text, and then we'll look at the text here uh, verse by verse. Let me grab my, my Bible here. So Psalm 51. All right. So David declares, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins, and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifice, sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Amen. So notice here the first thing we see in this psalm is David first asks the Lord, he pleads to the Lord to cleanse him. Cleanse me. And this is verses 1 through 7. If you look at that first verse there, David declares, he says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. And you know, it's interesting here because if you look at the psalms, throughout the psalms, you know, David is typically asking the Lord for justice. And here he's asking the Lord for mercy. And after willfully going against the Lord, that's all David could do. Appeal to God's mercy, appeal to God's grace, appeal to God's love. I guess you could say he was brought to a point where he realized that all he had was God and all he needed was God. And 
for many of us, the various circumstances that this life brings us, right? You know, James talks about those various trials. Um, you, you think about the various failures and sins that we bring because of our own desires, the world and the enemy. Those things sometimes get us to that point where we realize that all we have is God and all we need is God. And this is the case for David here. And this certainly gives him an appreciation for God's grace. And it gives us an appreciation as well for God's grace. And God is so good because God never gives us what we deserve. I mean, there are consequences to sin. But when you come to the Lord, you don't get what we deserve, right? And that's because of the cross, because of Jesus Christ, our life in Christ Jesus. And I'm so grateful for that because he has taken on the debt of our sin on the cross. We just have to come to him. We don't get the punishment we deserve for our sin. 1 John 2, 2 tells us, and he, speaking of Jesus, is the propitiation or the atonement for our sins, and not for us only, but also for the whole world. So thank God for his son Jesus, that we don't get exactly what we deserve because of our sin. And once again, what we see here in this first verse is David is appealing for God's mercy and also for his cleansing. And we'll see this here in verses 2 and 3, where it says, Completely wash away my guilt. And cleanse me from my sin, for I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. So notice here that David's asking the Lord to wash away not just his sin, but also the guilt. And it looks like it's starting to mess with his mind now, right? He talks about his conscience, it's always before him. And I know when I mess up, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is strong. And what I've learned is that when you don't confess your sins immediately to the Lord, that wrongdoing sits in your mind and it festers. And the enemy can use that to isolate you and make you independent of God because you're just thinking about what you did to mess up. And that's why we have to confess our sins to the Lord immediately when we commit those sins. Because then they can consume us and it allows the enemy to start playing games with our minds and with our hearts. We never want to be independent of God. And then notice he says, wash away my guilt, cleanse me from my sin. So in studying this verse, you know, in those times in that Jewish society, to wash and to change clothes was actually a mark of a new beginning. And there's actually a reference to that in Genesis 35, for example, and Exodus chapter 19. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this custom and kind of putting it into the context of, you know, the world that we're living in right now. And, um, you know, having had the privilege and the opportunity to, to spend a lot of time with high school age kids, young adults, and, um, you know, putting on clean clothes and, and cleansing and bathing can sometimes be a difficult endeavor for that particular age group, right? There's interesting odors. And it, I think of that Febreze commercial where, like, there's this huge gym sock in the room, but only the mom and the dad can smell it. And, um, but certainly having clean clothes and being cleansed now, if you think about it, is, is different, the meaning anyways, compared to that time, that time in that society. However, in the case of David here, he was desiring a cleansing, but not just on the outside, but also internally. And that's something we should desire as well. When we blow it, when we mess up, you know, because we're still um, in the flesh. And then notice in verse 4, he says, Against you, you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. So 
it's obvious that David sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. And what we see there is this non-local impact of sin. So sin doesn't just impact your life and the person you sinned against, but it impacts everybody around you. And often we don't think of those consequences. And that's what we see here with David. But ultimately, at the end of the day, all sin is foremost against and before God. And David recognizes this here. And honestly, I think if we can have a healthy fear of the Lord and, and just know in our mind, be conscious of the fact that he's always around us, he's always with us, I think it would drastically change our behavior. And when you think about David, when he committed this sinful act, God was there. But David didn't acknowledge that. I'm sure he knew, but he probably didn't acknowledge it at the time. It's not documented for us. But we have to be careful and we have to just be aware of God's ever presence around us. And I think that will help us make wiser decisions, decisions that honor God and not dishonor God. Now, notice that brokenness brings us to a place where we have regret for sin, a concern for God, an awareness of his presence. And then this allows us to take responsibility for our sin. And, you know, it's not until we take responsibility for our sin that we can make some change um, in our lives. And of course, here we're also reminded that God is righteous in his judgment, which he is. In verse 5, uh, David continues and he says, Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother um, conceived me. So notice here that we're reminded that in the flesh, we will always be sinners. And, you know, the second we came into the world as babies, our nature was a sinful one. And when you think about this, when a baby is born, I mean, you always hear, oh, look at, look at her. She's beautiful. Look at that little baby or look at that little boy. He's so cute. Look at his cheeks, right? It's never like, oh, look at that little sinner. Look at that little sinner that came into the world. But the truth of the matter is, that's how we come into the world. Now, we have to remember that the sinfulness, of, the sinfulness of humans doesn't mean that people can't do anything good. But we have to remember that our goodness, our good works, they cannot earn us righteousness in the sight of God, right? Just because you are a good person doesn't mean that you're found righteous in the sight of God, right? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it is only through Jesus Christ that we can be saved and be found righteous in the sight of God. Remember that gospel message, number one, that Jesus died for our sins. Number two, that Jesus was buried. Number three, that Jesus rose from the dead three days later. You put your faith in that message. You recognize you are a sinner. There's an element of repentance in your life. That, the book of Romans tells us, makes us righteous in the sight of God. So because we came into this world as sinners, and we will remain sinners until we see the Lord face to face, the only hope we have is Jesus Christ. In verse 6, he continues and he says, Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep. 
within. So what we see here is that brokenness, it brings us back to reality and truth and gives us a fresh appreciation um, for God's work. You see, David, he attempted to cover up his sin. And um, God is good because God never allows his children to sin successfully. And, you know, sometimes we say to ourselves, oh, I can dab in sin here and dab in sin there. You know, I'm strong in my walk. I can do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that. No one's going to know. I can handle it. And we have to understand that when we give the enemy an inch, he takes a yard. We have to be very careful. Those old sinful habits that are always knocking on the door, we have to be careful we don't give in to those because then it can end up to, you know, where we were before and uh, we don't want to be in that place again. Remember what the Proverbs tell us in Proverbs 3.12. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. And when you think about it, you know, think about your earthly fathers. And uh, when you messed up, right, they corrected you. They were quick to correct you because they loved you. How much more so your heavenly father, who loves you more than your earthly father could ever love you. He is definitely going to correct us. And sometimes God is going to use people like brothers and sisters in Christ to correct us. And the way we take that correction will speak volumes of our spiritual maturity. And, you know, sometimes we can get defensive, like, wait, how dare you call me out, right? Take the plank out of your eye first, right, brother? Um, and, and we get defensive. We have to be careful. You know, I think the most difficult thing to see in the body and, and even in ministry is that when you reach a point where you're no longer teachable or no longer correctable, you know, in my mind, you're no longer usable. And that's kind of a dangerous place to be. We have to be willing to be corrected and willing to be taught. And that's the only way we can be used for the Lord. And all of us, all of us are continuing to be a work in progress until we see the Lord face to face. And notice in this verse 2, verse here in verse 6, um, that he also asks God for truth and wisdom in the innermost being. And we know that that truth and wisdom comes from the word of God. And in the case of David here, some of that came from Nathan the prophet, and then of course, from his word. In verse 7, he continues and he says, Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Okay? Now, hyssop, it's um, actually a wild shrub. It's from the mint family, so you can assume it's very fragrant. Uh, the stems are hairy, and it could be used to be dipped in liquid. And in fact, the priests would use hyssop to sprinkle blood or to sprinkle water on people that were desiring a ceremonial cleansing. And if you lo look at Leviticus chapter 14, Numbers 19, and Exodus chapter 12, there is reference there to this, um, this very action. Now, of course, today as believers, we find our cleansing in the finished work of Jesus Christ that he accomplished on the cross, right? First John 1 verses 5 through 10 speak of this. And in fact, in that group of verses, verse 9, which is what we like to call the Christian bar of soap, there it's declared, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then if you look at Hebrews, they're the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 verses 19 through 25 also reminds us of this promise we have 
in Christ Jesus. And you know, right now, uh, in the youth group, we are in the Gospel of Luke. We uh, had just finished chapter 3. Actually, we finished chapter 4 last week. And what we have learned so far in those, in chapter 3, chapter 4, they're in the Gospel of Luke, is that Jesus has identified with us in a number of different ways. And if you look there in chapter 3, Jesus has identified with us as sinners through baptism. If you remember there, he's baptized in the Jordan. He's also baptized by the Holy Spirit. And in fact, there in chapter 3, it's just a, a beautiful portion of Scripture because there you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit together right before uh, Jesus begins his earthly ministry. But as you get into chapter 4, there um, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. And there he identifies with us in temptation. He's tempted there, right? He's tempted with the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. The only thing is Jesus never gave in to any of these temptations. And in fact, if you read there in the Gospel of Luke, he uses scripture and the fact that he's filled with the Holy Spirit to combat the enemy. But the main thing here is that Jesus has identified with us. And, um, and I was telling the young people, you know, I love this because we can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask for his mercy and ask for his cleansing. And in fact, the author of Hebrews tells us this if you look at Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 14 through 16, there he writes, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And many, many, many times I've had to do this. And I know there's going to be many, many, and many more times that I'm going to have to do this. And God is so good because he's always accessible to us. And we just have to seek him wholeheartedly, as Jeremiah tells us, and we'll find him. And often it takes brokenness and a humble heart to do that. So moving on now to verses 8 through 12. Remember, we talked about the fact that David was pleading for a cleansing. Now what we're going to see here is that David is going to ask the Lord to restore him for restoration. Now, if you look at verse 8 through 10, verses 8 through 10, he writes, he says, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So notice here that brokenness and humility, they return joy and gladness to our lives. And honestly, when we're broken and we're humbled, it just makes things just so much more simple. And it's interesting here how this sinful act that David engaged in, you know, first of all, it was messing with his mind. But also notice here, it was messing with his ears. He mentions his crushed bones. In verse 10, he talks about his heart and his spirit. And then in just a little bit, in verses 14, he talks about his hands. In verses 13 through 15, he speaks of his lips. Every part of him was consumed and overtaken by the guilt of this sin. And we can all relate to this circumstance. Seasons in our life where sin 
We've allowed it to consume every part of our being. But I think even sometimes when somebody sins against us and we refuse to forgive them, we can have similar consequences where that sin that was done against us can consume us. And we have to be careful because even if that person has genuinely apologized to us, if we don't receive the apology, that too can consume us and take us hostage. And remember, the Word of God tells us that we are to love one another fervently, and that will allow us to overlook those sins that people have done towards us. Of course, that love is coming through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That is that agape love that we've spoken of before. And I also believe that struggling to forgive yourself can also be just as debilitating. And what we have to understand is that if we've given every effort to genuinely, from our hearts, apologize to the person we wronged or the people that we've wronged, we've confessed our sins to the Lord, it's only fair that we can forgive ourselves now. And if you don't do that, this can take you hostage as well. The enemy will use it to corner you, and he will use that to make you independent of God, which is an extremely dangerous place to be. And we have to be careful. And just like David, we want our entire being to be restored. So that way we can serve the Lord uh, acceptably, right? We don't want these things hanging around in our minds because then we can't serve the Lord with all that we are. Now, notice that David specifically asks God to create a clean heart within him, right? This is in verse 10. And just like David, we need to remind ourselves that the troubles and the problems we have in this life, they come from our hearts, right? The author of Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 4.23, he says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And what I've learned is that when we let thoughts sit in our minds, we let them sit there and like fester. Um, those thoughts make it down into our hearts. And then ultimately they can become an action, become a part of our character. They can become sin in our lives. And of course, we know only God can change our hearts. And David here asks for a renewed steadfast spirit. And remember, all of us in this room, if you're in Christ Jesus, we can ask the Lord daily, hourly, minutely, you know, secondly, I don't know if that's a word, um, to be filled afresh with the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the truth of the matter is we leak the Holy Spirit and we want to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So we have the opportunity to ask the Lord to fill us afresh continuously. Now notice here in verse um, 11 and in verse 12, he says, Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. And sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Okay, so these are some pretty heavy verses here. Now, if you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 16, there in the 13th verse, the Lord had given the Holy Spirit to David when Samuel anointed him. And David didn't want to lose that blessing, that protection. And if you look there in the next verse um, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you remember Saul when he sinned, right, he lost that spiritual protection. He lost that of the Holy Spirit, which then allowed that distressing spirit to fill him. So what we see there is God working passively because God is not the initiator of evil. But when you think about the Old Testament in the Bible, the relationship that people had in that time with the Holy Spirit is different than the one we have now after the finished work on the cross. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon certain people. And the Holy Spirit would remain on them 
until a certain time for a special work to be performed. And I think, for example, of like the 70 elders that were anointed to help Moses with the children of Israel. Um, I think of like the judges. I think of the many kings, those that were used for priestly service, where the Holy Spirit came upon them and used them for a purpose, and then it departed from them. However, believers today, after the finished work on the cross, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as the Word of God tells us in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, the continual presence of the Holy Spirit for all Christians, all believers, is such a wonderful comfort. We don't have to fear that the Holy Spirit will leave us. If you look at John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18, there the Word of God says, hear Jesus speaking, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, speaking of the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. We also are reminded of this promise in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. He has sent us the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who will abide and remain with us forever, right? Not just for a time, but forever. But of course, for David, in that time, the Holy Spirit leaving him was a real concern. And I was thinking about this. And imagine your life before you came to Jesus Christ, before the Holy Spirit came to dwell in your heart. I was thinking about that in my life, and it was dreadful. It was scary. And we can think of how David felt in that sense before we came to Jesus Christ, before the Holy Spirit came into our lives. And that is something that was really um, eye-opening to me because I was like, well, you know, I've never had to fear that. But I understand now how David felt before coming to salvation. I never want to be there again. And, and I could see the fear that David had regarding this. However, I will say this. Even though the Holy Spirit will never leave us, we can grieve the Holy Spirit Ephesians 4, 30 through 32 talks about this. We can quench the Holy Spirit. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, right? When we live in 1 Fleshalonians, that's when we grieve the Holy Spirit or quench it. Um, we don't want to do these things. And these things happen because of sin in our lives. The Holy Spirit's there with you. And we quench him and we um, grieve him, right? The Holy Spirit's a person. Now, remember every single day, we're going to all fall short of God's glory. The Word of God tells us that. And we know that, right? We're not going to be sinless on this side of heaven. Um, however, we should desire to sin less. And the only way that is possible is if we allow the Holy Spirit to rule in our lives. And I know I'm telling you all these things, and they're easier said than done. I get it. It's hard. I think the hard part is getting yourself out of the way. That's what it is for me. Um, surrendering to the Holy Spirit and having those desires that he has for us. Now, David didn't want to lose the Holy Spirit. And just like David here, we should desire to be effective vessels for the Lord because we don't want to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, because we can't lose the Holy Spirit. But we have to understand if you're still on this earth, you still have breath in your lungs. The Lord is not done with us yet. So we have to keep that in mind. Um, if you look at 2 Samuel 12, verses 13 through 14, um, there the Lord does forgive David. Okay, we read that there for his actions. 
But of course, there were consequences to his sin. All right. And as I mentioned at the beginning, ultimately Bathsheba's child, you know, that David, her and her had conceived, ended up dying. And of course, all of these issues um, arose from, from that, that painful act. Now, even with everything that David has been through, the brokenness and the humility will always give us a fresh appreciation for our salvation. And I think as believers, we can relate to that appreciation that we have in Christ Jesus. And I know for me, I can't even express the utter joy that I have thinking about the hope and the future that I have in Christ Jesus. And often we think that God's not accessible to us right now, but he is. He's completely accessible to us through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through prayer, through fellowship in the body. But honestly, I can confidently say that the best is still yet to come in Christ Jesus. And that's what I'm looking forward to for my life and for all of our lives as we continue running this race uh, together. Okay, finally notice here in verses 13 through 19, um, after David asks for a cleansing, he asks for restoration, he then asks the Lord to use him, use me. Verses 13 through 19. So if you look at verse 13, um, David says, he says, Then I will teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will turn to you. So when we are broken and our hearts are humbled, it gives us a fresh appreciation to serve the Lord and also to serve uh, one another. And I love this because it allows us to help others that are going through maybe through a similar circumstance that we have gone through. And we can help them get through that circumstance by ministering to them in the way that God ministered to us. And um, we comfort one another. And in fact, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. There the Apostle Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, also um, through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. And I love this because it shows us that all of these things are obviously for a purpose. It also reminds me that we desperately need each other. We need each other as we run this race together. We can't do this alone. We need each other. I need you guys. I hope you need me. We need each other desperately. And David, in a sense, you know, he wanted to witness to the lost and the wandering and bring them back to the Lord. And, you know, that should be our heart as well as we're walking, actually, as we're running this race together. Romans 5.20 tells us, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And I love that. Um, verses 14 and 15, David continues. He says, save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. So David here, he asks the Lord to deliver him from this guilt of bloodshed. And obviously what he's talking about here is the blood of Uriah, which was on his hands, right? He's the one who had ordered his death. And brokenness and humility 
And they allow us to return to this, you know, this place of praise and worship, you know, unto the Lord. And, you know, when you think about praise and worship, when your heart is right with God, it gives you that opportunity to praise him and to worship him in spirit and in truth. And of course, this morning we had a blessed time of worship. And uh, that's, that's a beautiful place to be, not just on Sunday mornings, but like all the time. In verses 16 and 17, he says, You do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. So you think about David. I mean, he was wealthy enough, right, to bring many sacrifices onto the Lord, to cover his sins. But none of those things would be pleasing to God. And remember, God is blessed by our brokenness and humility, a broken and a humbled heart. And this is the only thing that David could offer the Lord, was his broken self. And many, many times, all of us in this room have been there, where all we have to offer God is our broken, completely broken, humbled self. And sometimes we think to ourselves, is this enough for God to forgive me? Is this enough for God to help me? And I can assure you, it is enough. And this is what God wanted all along from David. And this is what he wants from all of us. And in the case of David, it took him some time to recognize that. And I know for me, sometimes it takes a long time to recognize that because I'm hard-headed, I'm stubborn, and I often think that the way I do things is more efficient than the way God does things. And then he has to humble me again. And God will never despise a broken and the humbled heart. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I love that. Uh, verse 18, it says, in your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper, build the walls of Jerusalem. So as the king, David was certainly concerned for the well-being of Jerusalem and the kingdom there. And if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14, this tells us that David was well aware, okay, of what he did. You know, he was aware of his sin, but also the fact that it weakened Israel's position among the other nations. And in a sense here, he's asking the Lord, may your cause move forward without hindrance. And certainly when we are in sin, we can be a hindrance to the Lord's work. And we don't want to be in that place. We don't want to be in that position. Ultimately, the Lord's work will get done. But we don't want to be a stomping block in the middle. We don't want to get in the way, right? We have to get out of the way. And often sin will put us in that way. And we don't want to do that. But what I love about this verse, specifically here in verse 18, is that there is a future after brokenness. And God can now use this broken leader um, for his purpose. You know, sometimes we think, after what I have done, God can't use me can't use me again. Look what I did. But that's the enemy getting into your mind, trying to mess with you. Because if you're still on this earth, you still have air in your lungs. God is not done with you yet. He's not done with us yet. There's still so much more he wants to do with us. Now, I think of Jesus when he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying that agonizing prayer to the Father. He was there broken and humbled before his Father. He says, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me. And there he's speaking on the cross. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And all of us in this room will always be grateful 
for his willingness to surrender to the will of the Father because of his broken and humbled heart. And I love him so much for that. Verse 19, David closes. He says, Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings, then bulls will be offered on your altar. So God is pleased with our sacrifices when we are walking in fellowship with him. And the important thing to remember here is that even though David destroyed much through his sin, he also did some wonderful things for the Lord as he served him faithfully. But it took a broken and a humbled man to do that. So in closing this morning, we saw the cycle that brokenness and humility brought into the life of David. It brought cleansing, it brought restoration, and it also brought, um, it also brought rather the desire to be used by the Lord. And similarly, brokenness and humility in all of our lives will bring that similar cycle. Now, it's important to remember that brokenness and humility, it's going to come in different ways. It can come from sin in our life. It can come from events that the Lord has allowed in our lives to break us and to humble us. In the case of David, it was obviously his failure here that brought him to this place of brokenness and ultimately restoration and usability for God's glory. Now, I don't know what everybody in this room is going through right now. What I do know is that we're all going through something. And remember, brokenness is not a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Because growth can't take place unless there's more and more brokenness. So maybe you're struggling with something that happened in your life where your life changed so drastically that all you know is a before and after. Maybe you're struggling with sin. You're, you're struggling with things that don't glorify God. Maybe illness has come into your family. Maybe you're ill. Maybe you just can't handle this life anymore. I want to assure you that we serve a God of restoration. And, you know, there's nothing we can do. There's no season that we will ever go through that will separate us from God's love and from God's grace because he is a God of restoration. There is nothing impossible for God. God can restore your marriage. God can restore your health. God can restore um, that void in your heart that you're filling with sin. God can restore your friendships. He can restore everything. And I know he can do this because he's done it for me time and time and time and time again. You know, just because I'm standing back here with my shirt tucked in, I don't have it all together. I'm a broken person, just like all of us in this room, continuously being restored by the grace of God. I'm a beggar trying to show other beggars where to find bread. I think that's all of us in this room. And it's not until we reach this place of brokenness and humility um, that we recognize that all we have is God and all we need is God. And sometimes it takes a long time for us to get there. Um, it's, important to, it's important that this place of brokenness and, and humility, where God meets us, is in this place, right, of brokenness and humility. But it also allows us to return to our first love, which is the Lord. Pastor Chuck once said, God often goes to the gutter to find the recipients of his grace. He lifts them out, washes him, and transforms him, making him into a child of God, fit for the kingdom, fit for his kingdom. That is God's grace. And I love that. And then I'll close with this from Psalm 73. And I love this too. Um, here the psalmist, Asaph, he declares these truths regarding the Lord and regarding himself as well. You see, Asaph was broken and humbled by his own behavior in questioning his own faith 
and even questioning the Lord. So here in Psalm 73, verses 25 to 26, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen. So this morning, if you're here in person or you're watching via the live stream and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we do want to give you that opportunity today. And um, if that's you, if you would just close your eyes, bow your head, and uh, repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, this morning, I want to invite you into my life, Lord Jesus. I want to declare you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you were buried. I believe that you rose from the dead three days later. I recognize that I am a sinner, Lord, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would cleanse me, restore me, and use me for your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we want to welcome you to the family of Christ. There is a celebration going on in heaven on your behalf, and uh, we also want to help you. If you're watching via the live stream, you want more information on how to get connected to a home church, what are the next steps, you can leave a comment there in the comment section, or you can just reach out to the church. And of course, if you're here in person, you can just come up um, after the service for, um, for prayer and uh, for counsel. Anything that you all need, we're here to serve one another. So let me close in prayer, and then uh, we'll close with one more song. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your word, Lord God. Even when it hurts to hear your word, Lord, even when it pierces our hearts, Lord, we thank you so much that you love us so much, Lord, that your desire is to correct us, Lord, to make us look more like your son, Jesus. And this week, Lord, as we go out and about, Lord, and as we are that light that you desire us to be, Lord, we pray that you continue to keep us in that humbled and broken place, Lord God. We are the most usable. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you continue to do in our lives. We love you and praise you. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.